Second Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Another milestone episode here today, episode number 40, and I am pleased to have Steve Selt, the head girls basketball coach at one of the most storied programs in the state of Nebraska, South Sioux City, on the line here this morning. Uh, but before we get going with Coach Selk here, uh, of course, we want to recognize our sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cosac Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at cosacchiro.com. That's K O S A K C H I R O.com. Or give them a call at 402 964 Once you go in and see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, be sure to tell them that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter uh, at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, which you are right now, if you're listening to my voice, you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, so follow us, like, rate, review, subscribe, forward this out to like-minded people. Uh, the purpose of a pen and a napkin is to help coaches hone their craft. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, be sure to email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Selk, from South Sioux City, Nebraska, or do you live in Dakota City, or do you live in Sioux City proper? Uh, I am in, or we are in, uh, South Sioux City. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we looked all around, but we settled in South Sioux. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and we were kind of talking before we started here, uh, your area has been hit pretty hard here the last two or three weeks by the COVID crisis. What's that, uh, you've been one of not only the state's hotspots, but one of the nation's hotspots. Uh, up there in Dakota County, how is how has that, you know, changed some things up there? Uh, it's, it has definitely changed a lot. Um, we have such a um, a diverse student population and everything, and uh, a lot of the families are big families that live together. Uh, you know, aunts, uncles that live together, grandmas and grandpas, and so um, you know, everybody in those households are out there to uh, help each other out in the jobs and everything. So they've kind of, you know, I think passed it around in there. Um, so our numbers have spiked. And as of yesterday, we got told that, you know, like what, 93 counties in Nebraska, 88 of them can kind of open up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to, um, we're still going to be kind of shut down. Um, our weight room will not be open in the month of June. Mm -hmm. uh, that was there's a some coaches were just kind of concerned in general before we got told we couldn't um, officially, but you know we just it's 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 changed everything for us. It's it's gonna be weird. You know I'll be going into my second year as a head coach. And I might not have still not have a summer because um, mm -hmm. I got hired so late last year, and then um, <laughs> that's right. I don't have this summer either. So it's um, it, it's interesting up here, but um, you know we have. For us specifically, we have girls that are playing um, at the United Academy up here. Um, a couple of girls go down to all Nebraska Tech, so they're getting their stuff in. Um, we're, you know, working hard. We have um, a great strength coach, um, and Mike Wright, who sets up the rest of our um, conditioning workouts for us. And he does them uh, through the Team Builder app, and so I know our kids uh, are held accountable that way. And we're just going to have to. You know, can't make excuses. It is um, the hand we're dealt right now, and so we're just going to work together and get this figured out. What we're going to do for 
how to get these kids prepared for next school year. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Play the hand that you're dealt. That's all you can do. So, well, well, coach, you got an interesting background here. Uh, for for those that uh, for the folks that are listening that don't know a lot about you, uh, how how did you how did your coaching career lead you to South Sioux City High School? Um, well, I started. Uh, I played baseball in college, and so that's what got me into coaching was I had actually gotten hurt um, my freshman year. A friend of mine said he was also hurt. He was um, he was coaching baseball at Pius. Okay. So they got me into coaching there, um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I'd always thought about my, my dad coached forever, and I've been around basketball. I love basketball, but that just wasn't the – my, my best sport, so I couldn't play it after high school. Um, was in baseball. Um, then I went to, um, got up into the Elkhorn Public School System. Still, my very first year, I didn't get a coach. Um, I was not coaching baseball. And then when Terry Graver took the um, Elkhorn South position, really opened up the high school, um, I had applied for the head job at that time. And he came and asked me and said, Hey, I heard you applied. Do you still want to coach? Would you be an assistant for me? And so uh, myself, uh, Terry, and then Seth Krivolovic were the three paid assistants that very first year. And then um, uh, Ben Meyer, who's actually at uh, Elkhorn High now, he was with us as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess uh, Coach Tanishka, she was there. Um, she came over with, with Coach Graver and everything. So we started Elkhorn South, which, um, you know, I know it's interesting. It's kind of weird to think that you know we started that program from uh, from the from the very beginning. Uh, and actually, I was on the baseball staff there too, so um, I had opportunity to have a hand in starting two programs. And so it's kind of unique when you have uh, you know not many people can say they opened up a school and they opened up different programs. And um, I just had a very good experience there and looking to be kind of move my way up into the head coaching spot and um the south sioux position i knew knew was open uh with coach warnbeck taking the um, administrative position over there in columbus Mm -hmm. and i just kind of kept thinking about it you know it's it's, i knew um coach graver was you know gonna retire at some point and uh, it's actually taylor shepherd who's at uh, West Point. Um, she coached with us a little bit, and she's the head coach at West Point. Um, and she had met the superintendent of South Sioux City up here through all the brass attack, and they'd, he was kind of feeling out who, if she knew of anybody that was interested in the head job, and uh, she connected us and went up here and, and interviewed, and <laughs> it worked out. And Mm-hmm. I got home and I told my wife, I said, I think we might be moving. <laughs> and she was like, okay. Um, so that's how we got up there. And it was, uh, you know, you and I, you mentioned before, we were talking before we officially started here, but um, the importance of family support in, in this job is um, so important. And to ask my wife and my son to, you know, uproot their friends and, and their job and everything like that for, for me was more than I could ask for, but she did it and we're up here now and we enjoy our, uh, had a good first year up here. Very good. You're, uh, yeah, or let me, uh, I, I want to talk about this real quick. Um, how, I, I don't know if, because you didn't really know any differently, but, but what were some of the, 
the challenges to literally starting a program. I mean, you started two, baseball and girls basketball, but what were what were some some things that you did not maybe anticipate that went into that process for you guys as you were as you were literally inventing this from the ground up? Uh, did you did you search out other people? Um, did you kind of just go with your gut a lot of the time? I mean, what, what were some, what were some things, what were some challenges that you guys went through in that process? Um, I would say probably two of the biggest things we had was at that time, um, coach Graver was the only, you know, I'd only been in Elkhorn for one year uh-huh. and coach Graver had been there forever, but, and then coach Krivalovic was, um, he was an elementary teacher. So we did. We weren't in the building that much to really know these girls coming over with us to begin with, uh-huh. and so we had to get to know them. They had to get to know us, um, and then probably the, the one thing that all three of us underestimated was due to the lack of inexperience, our kids simply didn't know how to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even even though Coach Rocky has a great program and she wins a lot over there, mm-hmm. none of our. I think we had one girl who played JV and everybody else was on the reserve team going that first year. And so they hadn't been around, you know, they hadn't been around her studs enough to understand how to actually go out and finish a game. Mm-hmm. And so we were putting in what we thought was in position. And it's like here several times where we were close, but just, and it was like, what? And it was like, oh, we just, we didn't have any of that varsity experience to go out and finish a close game. And so what, you know, I think we were 7 and 13 that very first year. And that was probably more wins than we thought we were going to get. Um, but there were definitely definite ups and downs. Um, our boys team at that time with Coach Ba, they had two or three, like two kids that started varsity games for him. So they were in a little different boat. They were familiar to him because he came over from Elkhorn High. And so even those two programs right there started off just a little bit different based on the experience of, of both the coaches and the players that they were with. But, um, at the same time, I know the girls, we had talked to them before, you know, like, you know, differences and everything, and they liked it because everything was fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, it was new perspective on stuff. Um, yeah, and then with coaching the baseball, it was kind of the same thing of, you know, our styles were probably a little bit different. Um, you know, we were a little bit more small ball approach when we first started, whereas uh, they came from a more of a... You know today's level of let's swing it and get out there and score some runs type thing. Yeah. So um, it's just you know those philosophies of, of getting them started from the very very beginning and and setting them up. But I, the biggest thing that and that's what I always tell people is just trying to learn how to win um, is such an even for older teams if they're not used to it, how do you get them over that hump and then to start from the very very beginning with these girls and say you know I. Or AD didn't do us any favors when we started. I think with, with uh, um, Gretna was our first game, and then followed by you guys. And you know, it was like, <laughs> all right, let's let's just jump right into this and everything. So, well, I think you, um, I, I think you more than made up for it the last four or five times we met up against one another. So, you know, I was scared like he owned us. He uh, that guy, he can coach. And he got, he got us all the time over there. So. Yeah, but yeah, you know that that was it, it was you know, and it was weird because I think with the exception of Megan Cooks, our thirteen out of our fourteen varsity girls played the JV game too. I mean, our, our varsity starters played a couple minutes here or there in the JVs, not because we were. I mean, that was how we were trying to win was we were teaching them to win in the JV games, but they also needed 
um, they just needed that playing time. Yeah. You know, they, they, they would have been JV players had they stayed over at Elkhorn High. And all of a sudden, we're asking them to go from a reserve team to starting a varsity. And we, uh, you know, we had to play them in the JV games yeah. and everything. So that was just kind of balancing the all that new stuff out and, and just getting it going. It's kind of fun because, you know, you said it. We didn't know what we were doing as far as starting up a new program. And so we just kind of did what we thought was best. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're, you're a baseball guy. How much, how much of your baseball philosophy have you taken into your basketball philosophy? Um, I've had a, I've had a lot of good coaches to, um, coach under, um, one of the best baseball coaches out there that I worked with within Troy Shars got a pious and just his practice structure is, um, the way he runs his programs and things like that, you know, it's it's coaching for him. I mean, he could, he's a very good freshman football coach. He's, I mean, he could coach if he knew any sport, he'd be a very good coach at whatever sport he wanted to go into because of the way he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I try to take away from him, and I remember um, he ended up winning three out of four state titles in the spring right after I left from that group. But I, I was JV coach down there and had him in the spring and the summer. Um, and then they pushed up and had very good success when they were on the varsity roster. So it was all you. It was all you. Yeah, is what you're I, I like, I'd like to think that. <laughs> um, they actually won after I left, so I yeah. don't know. Um, <laughs> but one thing I remember specifically was we – the kids, for whatever reason, one class decided they were going all in on the weight room, and they were going to make sure everybody else did. And they became so team-led that we didn't have to do anything. And there was a freshman who missed the weight session, and without yelling at the kid about missing the weight session, a couple of the seniors asked him, hey, you know, we have, you know, the expectation is we're supposed to be at weights at 6 a.m. You know, what, you know, how come you missed? He goes, oh, I didn't have a ride. My mom works and this and this. Okay, give us your address. We'll make sure somebody's there to pick you up the next time. Mm-hmm. And so from then on, you know, these seniors are giving freshmen a ride. And we didn't, have, we didn't ever have to do any of that coaching. And so it's just stuff like that where that, that Troy builds into his programs of the kids get to kind of police themselves and they, they police it the right way. Uh, is something I've taken away from him and trying to get and. You know, sometimes I think people think, well, you're going to let the kids. It's like, well, you know, they've got to figure it out. They, if they want to be, you know, I've always said good teams are, are coach-led, great teams are player-led. Mm-hmm. And we got to, you got to get to that point where the players take the accountability, you know, don't blame the coach for, oh, we had, you know, we didn't get enough shots in today. Well, stick around and shoot a couple more then. You know, maybe we're working on something else today. And so just stuff like that that, that he did down there is something I can take away and, and apply into my program. Mm-hmm. How much, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, you know, numerous times on this podcast, uh, you know, we've mentioned that, that, that slide over that 18 inches is the longest 18 inches of anybody's life when they slide over from being an assistant coach to being a head coach, you know, and, and, I, and I'm sure you had designs on, um, what, um, you know, if, if I were the head coach, this is what I would do, or this is how I would handle it or what may, whatever. Um, but, but how much of your stuff that you observe from Terry or how much of your own stuff that you were thinking in the back of your mind while you were being a head coach, how much of that did you eventually implement into your first year? 
Um, I would say I probably played it a little bit safer. Going back, I probably played it a little bit safer than I should have as far as not taking that extra chance of pushing the envelope of getting out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, I was kind of more concentrated on establishing routines, getting that this is how we want stuff done. And it might've, there might've been a couple games where that cost us. Um, but it was, I, I wanted to make sure we're going to do what we're going to do down the road. And um, I think that's what we did down at Oakland South was, especially that first year was we were so concentrated on making sure we're going to get in what we want to do. And if we win, we win. If we lose, we're going to at least lose doing it the way we want to because we know down the road that was that's the best thing for our kids. Um, with that, we got coaches need to be adaptable. Um, you know, we don't get to recruit kids to say to come fit our program. It's we got to fit our program to whatever kids show up for us. And so that was probably where that's probably the that probably the biggest difference for me and the girls was. Um, they play, they're used to playing such a much freer style of basketball um, of things that we wanted, uh, what I wanted to do was, you know, always come off, you know, we get a rebound, I want the point guard to bring the ball and push, push the ball to the floor, get our wings out wide. Mm-hmm. Well, we have McKenna Sims and Kyra Fisher both on the floor the year before, either one of those two can dribble up the ball or whoever got the rebound could bring the ball up for them. And so that was something new for them, but um, there were times when you would see the structure come through in games where it was like, okay, now you can see girls. This is why we run our secondary break relentlessly in practice because we want to get that ball out there. We want to push it this certain way. And um, that was how it started to click at times for us. And so just that the structure of making sure what I would do, but yet, I had to mix in what their strengths were as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had to cut them loose at times that that was, that was different for me as well. Um, and, and but, but sometimes you just have to let your kids do and play the game that they know as well. So it's, it's, there are times, you know, you'd get back, you'd sit back, and I'd think, like, oh, I should have done this differently, should have done this differently, and, and whatnot. But that's, you know, that's coaching, that's basketball and everything. Yeah. So Yeah. You know, you, you, you talk about, um, doing things differently now, and let's let's kind of go in that direction. Um, you know, you you've had a year, and 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 I've I I wanted to talk to you a while ago, but I wanted to wait until the season was over and you had some time to think about some things, just because I think you were in such a unique situation to to help other coaches go from being an assistant to okay, I've gone through my first year and now I've had time to digest that first year probably more time than any of us anticipated being at home for the last two months. But, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, um, you know, what, what were some other things that perhaps you feel like, um, you, 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 you could have done differently or, or, or yeah, you know, I'm going to make this adjustment from year one to year two, whenever we get a chance to work on year two. Um, I would say one thing that, that held us back was just, we had to concentrate so much on understanding what we were going to try to do as far as if we are a motion offense or our pass and cut offense or, you know, whatever that we didn't get a play. We didn't get to go live and practice as much as we need to. And that was, you know, we, uh, we 
has to be able to walk before he can run. And if we don't understand what we're doing offensively, and I just think some of that we we, we had to do so much five on O stuff in practice just to make sure we knew where we were at that we couldn't get we couldn't get to where we were always playing. Mm-hmm. You know, we had games where when we came out and we played, we were good, and then you could tell there are times when things got tough, and all of a sudden now I'm now I'm thinking about okay, what what am I supposed to do? Do I go back to it? You know, it just that was probably the biggest thing I wish we could do different would be go back and just go five on zero, even if we didn't know, or excuse me, go five on five, even if we might not know exactly what we needed that those reps against a live defense or, or, you know, for working on defense, a live offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and teach a little bit more on the fly there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was something too. We actually, um, and I, we, we joke around with her and everything, but we, we had an assistant who, um, added to her family right in the middle of the season. And so we were down an assistant as well at practice and games. And so that, you know, that hurt our structure as well, but I'm definitely not going to blame her for anything. I mean, that's great that, you know, she gets the. She has a son, and um, they have, you know they're part of our family as well, and everything. So, but you know, all those all those things add up. It was just you know, now all of a sudden we have you know twenty five year olds out with just three coaches, as opposed and, and uh, probably like my varsity assistant now had to focus more on the JVs as opposed to being able to have myself and and Coach Small uh, both watching you know, the concentrated area with another coach watching the other five were now split. And so he and I aren't necessarily working in sync and practice and everything. And it's just, just different stuff. Um, just everything is a little bit different. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good learning experience. Yeah. Do you think it was, you know, you talked about, you know, Terry and you knew he was going to retire soon and, you know, he ended up retiring this spring. Um, do you think it was perhaps better for you in the long run to go and be a head coach at a new place uh, rather than going from being the assistant at Elk South to going and being the head coach at Elk South? Or, I mean, you'll, you'll never know, but, you know, Maybe that transition, maybe the way that the kids would look at you differently, uh, you know, from going from the head coach or for going from an assistant coach to being a head coach. You know, these are in some ways I'm, I'm, I'm asking an unanswerable question. But but do you think maybe or how about this? Do you think it was a, a little bit easier to come in as a bit more of an authority figure and I'm in charge from day one coming into a new situation as opposed to going from an assistant to being a head coach? At the same school. Oh man, you do got me thinking on that one. Ah, oh, see, this um, is what I do, Steve. <laughs> this is what I do. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I think probably the biggest factor in that question, though, is taking over South Sioux. Yeah. Um, you know that was. There's a lot of great programs out there in the state. A lot of great coaches and everything, and that was part of it too. Is like, I kind of questioned myself taking this job just from the standpoint of, okay, I've never been a head, head coach, and now I'm trusted with, you know, the program of the state. And yeah. um, that was that was a little bit different for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. Coming up here, I had, there were people that, um, I know one day I had my, 
um, I had like a Elkhorn South baseball sweatshirt on and I was in one of the gas stations and somebody, oh, you're the new basketball coach then. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, um, they, it's, it's great to be, to, to be in a role like that up here, but at the same time, it's so different. And I think that's probably the biggest factor in that question right there is taking over the South Sioux name and the South Sioux program. Um, but at the same time, it, it's, you know, it's, it's coaching basketball and it's what I love mm-hmm. to do. And so I think, you know, either one of them I've been, been happy at. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with, with the, with the Sioux city area. It's where I went to college, my wife and I, that's where I met my wife and, we lived there for a while, and of course, we played South Sioux City every year in our conference and multiple times. And um, I, I don't plan on going back to the Mini Dome anytime soon. Uh, you know, uh, some some tough memories up there, but I, I did get two wins um, in the Mini Dome, which is two more than a lot of people get. I can I can say that. You know, um, but you you referred to this. Not only are you taking over uh, a program which is difficult in any situation, but you're taking over a program steeped in tradition that has, um, that has done things a certain way for a long, long time. And, you know, Kelly was there for 25 years and then you go to Ashley Robinette and then you go to Molly and now you're, you're the outsider. Not only are you the new coach, but you're the outsider. You're not part of the quote unquote Cardinal family. And, um, I, I know that there was was probably some um, I don't know if pushback would be the right word, but well, that's not the way we've done it here. Uh, type of, and you kind of referred to that a little bit as well. You know, as far as you know, you know, let, like you talked about getting the ball off the rim, and whoever gets it can bring it up, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, what was that process going through? Uh, what was that process like going through being the quote unquote outsider coming into this family had that had been kind of the, the, the same for 30, 35 years or so. Yeah. I, like I said, I was, I was a little nervous about that and it actually worked out pretty well. And, um, Terry was hosting a team camp. He always hosted his team camps the last Thursday in June. And I had accepted the position on the Tuesday before and nothing had been uh, made public. And I, um, I knew I was going to be able to see the girls that Thursday. And so I was like, okay, I need to tell them. It's gonna, it'll get out. I need to make sure I tell the girls and everything. And um, Kelly had the Fremont Tigers at the team camp. And so <laughs> I was like, all right. And so I'm repping his game. And I'm like, okay, uh, before I – excuse me, before the end of the day, I'm like, I, I'm going to go over and introduce myself and – and everything and before I had a chance he came over and introduced himself um, you know like <laughs> it's kind of funny because you know here he is kind of introducing and I'm like yeah I, I know who you are <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but you know but that's Kelly though I mean he's a he's yeah. a gracious guy you know absolutely yeah and from day one he was he's been supportive um, you know even coaching his his own team and his own program he's still not that he has um, any say in anything, but he, he still supports us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know he came up, I guess, two years ago now, and he watched the district final with Elkhorn South and Sioux City up here. Mm-hmm. Um, you 
you know, he it's this is his baby. This is what he built up here and everything. And so, and he has a presence. He there there's yeah. the, there's the uh, the quote unquote uh, ghosts of Kelly Flynn floating. And 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 by all means, it should be that way because of all the success that he had. That you know that Absolutely. that that that's you know he's the uh, he's the Dean Smith of South Sioux City basketball, or or he's yep. uh, the John Wooden of of South Sioux City basketball, and so. Uh, but it's terrific that he's been that supportive. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off here. So no, you're fine. And that, that that was it was a huge relief to me, I guess. And um, I, not that I guess I didn't realize I needed his blessing, and I don't know if it was necessary, but it was just it was nice of him to come over and introduce himself and just kind of let him know, let me know, like, oh, okay, it's it's okay and everything. And, and Ashley is the same way. I mean. I, you know, I was a little intimidated in my interview with her. I mean, just knowing what she's done as an athlete um, and what she meant to that program um, and everything. And so, you, see, you know, you're sitting there, you know, we're, we're talking names, and it's just like, I, I can't believe I'm going to have this opportunity. And even um, Coach Hornbeck, she still, um, you know, she left me her number. She left me a new email address. I have um, more of, like, administrative stuff. You know, we're getting ready to go to uh, start fundraising for an Arizona trip. Okay, well, I have no idea what we're doing, but she does. And so, you know, I reached out to her on a couple things regarding that and mm-hmm. everything. And so as, as intimidating as it could be, I guess um, those three that have, you know, that I've dealt with personally, they've been nothing but great. It's just the support's there. They want the best for the program. They want us to, um, you know, they want us to compete hard. They want us to win. They want us to, you know, they want to, they want to do whatever they can do to help as well. It's not do it this way. This is how we've always done. It. You know, I know um, I, had, I had conversations with uh, Mrs. Odell, and, and she, you know, has never once said, "Well, this is what we did. This mm-hmm. is how you're supposed to do it." It is. What do you need to be successful? What do you What do you need from us to help you support? Sorry, I got a I got a tanker flying over me right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Big giant refueler going straight over my head so. um but no it's been great and i think um there's been others there's still some of the community that are around here um that whether the, their parents played um you know and just it's the support's been there mm-hmm. uh, yes i'm an outsider everybody knows it but they don't they don't treat me that way at least at least not to my face i don't know what they're saying behind me, but, <laughs> um, uh, but no every, everything has been great um it's just it's been a really good experience after all together because I was I was nervous about taking that over coming in being being new and you know it's, but it hasn't been that way it's been it's been great everybody's been very very nice and helpful and doing what they can to, to ensure that we keep the success going um, that's 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 good stuff there that's uh, and, and and you would expect nothing less. You know, like I said, I, I I lived there for a long time and coached there every year. You know, almost every year. So um, I, I can I can totally see what you're saying about all of those people. They're they're uh, they're very very good people there. So, um, well, let's jump into our our Don Meyer quote of the day here. And you know, I as I was going through this, I thought, you know, this kind of uh, this fits the uh, the passion of of South Sioux City girls basketball. Um, and so uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day, uh, I tell everyone that I have 25,000 assistant coaches. 
if I want to know something, I just go to the grocery store. Um, I, I imagine you're getting a lot more coaching advice uh, now that you're a head coach than you were an assistant coach. Is that is that a safe is that a safe assumption, coacher? Uh, yeah. Although I think sometimes it's easier for people to approach an assistant coach than a head coach, and so uh, <laughs> I, you know maybe maybe hurt a little bit more back then. But I'm yeah. sure as the time goes on, people get to see me, or you know if we can ever get out of our COVID situation, they probably would see me at the at the grocery store. And, let us know what to do. Yeah. Well, maybe you could just, you know, I don't understand you underneath the mask. It's, it's too muffled, you know, that type of thing. So, um, well, let's get into some of your coaching philosophy here. Um, you guys did a terrific job at, at Elkhorn South um, of, of your half-court defensive philosophy of what you guys did. Um, you know, kind of go into what you teach, how you teach, uh, your defensive philosophy and 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 building it up from scratch. Okay. Um, first of all, it, that a lot of that energy I got to give credit to Coach Crib. He is a defensive guru down there. Um, he he loves playing defense down there probably more than more than most people do. But uh, we had kids that bought into it, and we were able to. You're able to do a lot of stuff defensively just based on their effort and their intelligence of doing. So that's what we're trying to do up here. And probably the first thing we have to do is eliminate the youth basketball um, stereotype of you know make them go make them go left. They can't use you know they're only right handed. I I know kids have a hard time, and some of our girls struggle with that this year. Is I don't care if they're I don't want to force them one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Based on their, based on which hand they are, I want to force them to the sideline and to the baseline. And even if it's scouting report based. Yep. Okay. And because my, our, what I'm thinking is, if I know you're right-handed and I know you can't go on your left, that's fine. I'll I'll continue to push you to the sideline and I'll and I'll get you over there. Mm-hmm. And it's because the way we play it is, if the ball gets in the middle of the paint, we're done. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to give you not necessarily a lane to use your right hand but we're going to let you feel and if i know you're only going to use your right hand then i can still cheat that way it's just i, I know you're going to go that way i know you're not coming back over to your left and so i can still put you in my position of going that way and it's hard for people to you know that that's where you get your twenty five thousand assistant coaches is you know you'll hear people make them go left make her do it she can't yeah I, we know that like, <laughs> it's okay because the way um, the way our help defense and where we dig from and everything is set up is if it gets crossed back over, we're we're done. Now it's going to end up into um, a three pointer from the corner or a dump down to the to the post. And one of the big terms I'll use is no front side help. And this came up. This is probably I got another tanker going over me. No um, problem. I'm sitting out on my deck. It's absolutely gorgeous up here right now. And so there's no wind. Um, it hasn't started raining yet. So I'm like, I'm going to go sit on my deck today and enjoy this beautiful weather. And I forgot that the tankers always start flying over here. So um, I get those every 10 minutes, whatever. So I'm sorry about that. Hey, no, loud, no, no problem. If you can hear them or not, but they are First, just super loud going over my head. <laughs> I, I'm just thankful that you have airplanes going over you again. Yeah. You know, that, that's the most important thing. Um. But when we took the when we turned the corner down at Elkhorn South was in a game that we got beat, and we we played Lincoln Christian in one of 
the best girls basketball games and one of the best basketball games ever. And my dad was up there that night. He coached for years and he even said, he goes, that, that was one of the most enjoyable games I've ever seen in person. And we lost 70 to 67. Mm-hmm. And that was when they had Chloe DeWark and all that group. And we went back and showed the girls after the game. Lincoln Christian was eight for 10 shooting threes from the corner when our help, like if we forced them, you know, if they're on the balls on the right wing, and they went to their right hand to the basket. And if our girl doubled off, come help from the corner, all they did is kick it to the corner for a three. And they were eight of 10 that game shooting three pointers that way. Mm-hmm. When we stayed there and tried to make them force it across, the, you know, a tough pass across the lane to the opposite corner, they were like one of 13 shooting that three. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I'm more, I'm, I love, the shooting mechanics and everything. Um, some of the biggest I can, if I'm watching a, a shooter, I can tell based on the catch and their feet if they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. The up, the you know, the top, the hand part, that's, that's everybody's thing. But if if you're on your mark and I catch it clean, you're going to make the shot. Okay, but if you're going down the lane and I have to jump over a six foot tall post player, throw a over the head pass to you in the opposite corner, the chance that that person hits them directly where they want to catch the ball with their feet set is not very good. Mm-hmm. So now they're, they're catching it poorly, but they're open, so they, they're going to shoot it, and now it's a miss. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they dribble right down to the you know to the block, kick it to the to the ball side corner, it's more likely it's going to be a better pass, it's going to be a better catch and shoot. And so that's where we try to get them, and our girls saw that in the film, and they're like, oh my gosh, okay, now we know what we're talking about. And from then on, it was very... Excuse me. The girls would even yell, you know, no ball side help at each other because they were, because they didn't want to didn't want to. They knew they could come off that ball side corner and make them make them throw it over the top of people. And mm-hmm. so again, whichever hand they're on, we don't want that ball to go back to the middle. And so we always, you know, forced right or left based on um, based on which side the ball of the court was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. How do how do you how do you break that down and teach that? Um, you know, how do you build up with, to it? We start with our I mean basic shell, and we would uh, we just really make sure if we're you know again the ball's on the right hand wing, we make sure we we call it no tree hugging. Um, we're not standing right by our defenders, or see the right, we're not standing right by the offensive players. Um, cut those lanes off and. We do a lot of uh, like one dribble, dig and recover. So if we have to, um, you know, we know where that help is coming from. We teach how to properly, um, you know, open up a dig. If you, you know, if your chest gets completely turned to that where that ball is at as a help defender, your girl is going to score because now you don't know where she's at. And so we we work on you know drop stepping in, how to properly dig up, mm-hmm. how to properly. Sorry phone's beeping here um how to properly dig dig the ball coming up and then um how to recover where the rotation comes from uh, on the back side then we are um we'll take this is little stand-up dummies when we're in our shell when we're in our shell drill we'll actually put two post players out there with um or like two offensive post players with the stand-up dummies and that way we have landmarks on how to properly get underneath the post player coming from uh, the backside help 
and how to recover out of that as well. Are you are you guys full fronting the post then, or or what are you doing in the post area? Um, we will. Um, well, it's always it's changed because when we when you know we have six foot four Riley Gray back there, um, you we get told her to play behind and just swat anything she wanted to. Yeah, um, that, <laughs> that, that that helps with your uh, paint protection. Yeah, yeah, that having that. Um, I missed that last year a little bit. Um, you know, we, <laughs> a lot of people would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you missed the six blocks of games where you get and everything. But um, last year we'd play underneath most times. Um, now the girl from uh, Sean Law, I can't pronounce the name. I believe it was Sean Law from uh, Duchenne. Now she was, we had to change a little bit based on her just because she was so tall and did a great job of keeping the ball high that and we were short enough that we couldn't really do anything if we played behind. So we had to pinch with her. Um, but most times we're going to play kind of halfway underneath. Um, we do scout right shoulders, left shoulders, which way girls are going to turn down there and we'll sit on a certain shoulder. Um, but then like when we come, when the help comes, we'll actually pinch the post player. We'll send one girl underneath. And then, like, the top girl, uh, the top perimeter player would come down and sit on top of it. And then she has the first pass out, regardless of who it goes to. Mm-hmm. She's sitting there. So she would actually, you know, she's guarding three girls um, in, in a typical four-out, one-in type um, setting. Because she's going to have, she'll be sitting on top um, of the post player down there. And then she has whichever pass comes out to the backside. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um all right, that's that's uh, that's some that's some good information there. I like that, you know, uh, you know the stunt and the the recover and that type of thing. So, if your half court defense is that good, how do you beat it with your half court offensive philosophy, Coach? Um, well, we didn't a lot last year, but <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, we had some we had some girls not go out. That, that were some trigger players that kind of hurt us. Um, that you taught you asked earlier about things you wish you'd done earlier. Um, we, we played, we had two really good post players and they presented the problem of, they both needed to be on the floor at the same time, but yet for what we wanted to try to do, we didn't want them on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Um, but you know, Naya Du, she's a division one, uh, track athlete. She was, you know, she's so athletic even at six, two that, you know, she could, she could play a little bit out there. And then Jalen Galvin is our other six footer. Um, she has good offensive skills as well. And so we needed them out there to rebound and everything like that. And so um, what we'd like to do uh, would be run more of a four out. Uh, it's a passing weave. It's not a, it's not a handoff weave. It's stay wide, let's attack the middle, kind of breaking down what we look. You know, we don't want the ball in the middle of the paint on defense. Well, we, won't, we want the ball in the middle of the paint on offense. Now we can kick everything and um the way we do this one though is we take our post player and instead of putting her on the block we'll put her in the short corner so it's more of a um as the help comes off the the dump pass is there but the, the post player doesn't have to really make a post move mm-hmm. uh, we're not looking to post that player up we're looking more just a simple catch go right up and score that way drop and pass then, yeah yeah hoiberg um, hoiberg calls it putting him in the room is what he used yeah. to say so yeah and uh you know, we have Kyra, Kyra Fisher. She's a great player for us. She can get to, um, she gets the basket for us. Um, you know, some of the conversations I've had with her is, you know, we have some good shooters, but she's really 
probably the only one right now that can get to the rim by herself at a cons- consistently. And so she's got to be able to create those shots for other girls as well. And so if she's going in there, she's going to pull the draw some of the attention and draw some of the help. And we want that easy kick. Um, you know, when Hannah Strong, when she catches the ball and her feet are set, that ball is going in. And so we need to find ways to get her that ball out there. Um, some of our other guards coming back this year shoot the ball pretty well. And so we've got to find a way to uh, get that ball. And so we want to attack. If we can get all the way to the basket, absolutely. If we can't, let's get you know pass it to the other side cut through, create that motion coming through us, and look to attack again for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how do you break that down? How, what are some things that you do to emphasize? Uh... <laughs> um, grab it. We work on with two hands. Um, I've got the big problem with youth that they don't want to, you know, everyone wants to try to dribble a ball or knock it down and then try to dribble. So we want two-hand grab. And then um, I'm not a huge not a huge shot fake guy. I mean, there's a time and a place for it, obviously, but at the same time, so many kids, they look like they're going into a spasm instead of actually a shot fake. Mm-hmm. So we concentrate on a good rip and attacking the hip of a defender. Um, and actually, uh, one of the things that changed over my years was um, I've been blessed. I was uh, got to coach a summer team with Eric Pajkowski. Uh-huh. And obviously his knowledge is... <laughs> awesome to have as a resource and everything and so he he worked with me on teaching how to uh, attack some hips and and, you know a lot of times if if i'm going right a lot of people are taught okay your first step is going to be with the right so you can protect the ball and everything and he's like that's fine but if you have a fast defender you're not going to get around that person and Mm -hmm. so when we work on our rip we're going to swing through get that opposite leg for it through how we can get that defender on our hip Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're looking for. So on the ball, we're concentrating on our rip um, as we get going then um, to just to ensure that they're not just ripping straight across where a defender's hands are at. We'll get a coach or a manager out there, um, preferably a coach, just because I've taken enough elbows in this drill. I really don't want one of my student managers getting hit. Um, but I'll, I'll get in there and I'll start digging hard at them and I'll make sure they either rip low or high and work on their footwork coming out of that. And then we stress one, maybe two dribbles to the middle of the lane. Uh, we have a lot of times our um, you know, kids are lazy in practices. They go 10 feet taking four dribbles. And it's like, come on, if you do that in a game, that ball is going the other way. So let's take one, maybe two dribbles, attack the lane. Um, and then we'll just do a series of, you know, jump shot floaters, attack, attack, um, you know, go with your strong hand make a counter move. We call it counter attack. So we attack the elbow. We get cut off by the defenders. We need to, you know, spin back to the, to the lane or whatever. And then on the back side, we'll work with our shooters as well. So it's kind of like a two line shooting drill. Uh, we'll put some cones out. One of the things I concentrate, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm big on our footwork. Um, I want to make sure we're not just sliding to the next spot that we're going to, um, almost like a little a slight half circle around it. So we'll put a cone, I'll put a cone right next to um, the offensive player on the wing, but I'll set it back a couple feet. So they have to go back first, then they can slide, and then now as that ball, as the pass comes to them, it helps us get our um, our feet, our body going to the basket so we're not drifting when we shoot. As we catch that, or get our front shoulder tucked in and let it fly that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I had good success. The girls, they were seeing it this year, uh, buying into it. 
um, they, you know, we they drift or we caught, you know, the Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, the heel, heel clicking down the way, uh, you know, got to get rid of that. We got to step into our shots. So we have our momentum going there. So it's kind of a two part working on the rip and the tag and then we'll work on the backside with the shot as well. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, what's your typical practice look like? Um, what's your practice set up? And, and I've kind of gone through this with quite a few coaches, uh, but you know, not first day, November 15th, but not February 15th where you're going real light as you're getting ready to, to journey into the postseason. Let's go January 8th. Um, you know, what's, what's that looking like, uh, for you guys? Um, hopefully this will look different this year and we'll get into more of what I want to do. Um, you know, we only had two seniors last year, and so when we had uh, we had a, we had a young team, and we had some girls that were playing kind of what we talked earlier with Elkhorn South. We had girls playing maybe up higher than they should have been, and so our practices weren't as crisp or as the way we want them. But now I think this year we're gonna we're kind of settling into more traditional grade and team selection wise of where they're gonna be at and everything. And so um, I try to schedule practices around the way a game will look and so we'll have a 20 minute you know the girls get stretched out and everything um we'll have 20 minutes of some type of skill building in there we'll shoot we'll get running up and down the floor um you know just get us loose but yet doing things in the game that we'll have so we'll have have that warm-up period um and then we go into kind of you know chunk it out into four different sections of what we want to work on from there and Whatever, whatever that main focus is. So if we're if, if our if session one happens to be the uh, shell drill, is that if that's our end game? Okay, we're going to do all defensive stuff in that session going up there. And so we love. Um, I like doing one-on-one closeouts. Um, I got a bunch of closeout stuff that we do um, that all focus on uh, properly forcing whichever side we're at. Properly fo- uh, forcing your offensive player to the sideline and so we'll keep score that way um, i actually got the drill from uh, amy williams down in nebraska uh, but it's two lines down starting on the blocks and they crisscross run out to the wing and so if you get beat to the middle um you got you know push-ups or some type of running to do if you get beat to the middle because we don't want that um and then, you know, if, if, they, if they get scored on going to the right, they get scored on going to the right. And the hard part of that is you got to tell them, okay, girls, there's nobody else to help defend you here. You know, there's no help coming over. You're still – we can focus on forcing it to the right. Mm-hmm. And then we'll add – we go into a two-on-two one that we have that works on um, a wing denial. And then they'll pass it. And once the ball gets uh, swung over to the side, then they work on ball screens or defending ball screens. And then we'll work on a dig, and then we'll group it up with, uh, or then we'll end up with our big end of that session goal being shell drill or whatever it may be. And so then what we're going to get into this year, we tried it last year, and it just it just didn't work out. It wasn't crisp enough. I don't think they knew. It, were, it was almost too much at times for all of us, myself included, everything. So we kind of simplified practices. But this year we're going to be able to get into it. Um, I want to do kind of a – and this goes back to Elkhorn South because we always – we always joked around. Anytime we would try to hold for the last shot or something, it usually ended up in a turnover. I felt like, <laughs> and so um, we wanted to focus on. You know, I, I like to call it the one-stop drill, or it's, it's one possession mm-hmm. um, of, of the end of the court. So if we're in a defensive session, then our focus, you know, our 
our five varsity girls will be out there. They're going to be on defense. Excuse me. They're going to be out on defense, and they're going to be, you know, we're going to run one of our defensive specials, whether it's a, you know, our two-three trap, our sting, our, you know, what, whatever we were just working on, we're going to work on it for one last possession, trying to secure the rebound and end that possession in a positive note. And if it's an offensive deal, it's kind of the same deal. If we had, if we were working on, Know, position fundamentals and then all of a sudden we, we break into five on five or five on oh working on our sets whatever okay that's what we're gonna um now we're gonna come out we're gonna put 30 seconds on this on the clock we're gonna break it down now we gotta try to score in our one possession and so it's just kind of four quarters of practice and we're trying to end it with one possession and get and, and build that in i think a lot of times coaches maybe um almost like crash course for a test, kind of like kids do in school. And it's, oh, we need to work on in-the-game situations, so let's throw out 10 situations all in one practice. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we don't, you know, we run over at one time. Okay, hey, that's what we're going to do. Remember that if that ever happens. Yeah. Um, and so my goal is to try to, you know, if we get, you know, it's four four possessions a day that we get to work on that, and there's, you know, like 50 practices. Okay, now we've done it 200 times where we get an opportunity to talk about what we're going to do and work on it differently. I really like that. Talk about the situation. You know, we can. Um, I remember one time it was, you know, we got so focused down in uh, Elkhorn South, but we were so focused on defending our girl. The, the situation was um, like the, the, the varsity team was up three with three seconds left. And they started chasing all these girls underneath the basket. And it was like, girl, let them score a two point. Like, why? Oh, I never even thought about that. It's like, yeah, so you know, <laughs> we're trying to crash course that, but yet, okay, now we actually, we got to teach that part of the game too. So mm-hmm. we're going to try to do that and make sure it's more of a focus. Um, something I stole in from, um, I stole it from our, when I coached freshman football at Pius. Um, we started doing it, and then I think it was one of the Papio football teams that, one of the pious coaches stole it from, but we talk about winners do the extra work and losers are the ones that actually don't do anything. And so, so many teams, you know, all the losing team, they're the one that has to go out and run and everything like that. Um, we do winners run. Um, and so if, if I'm on, if I'm on the defensive team, I get the rebound and everything. My team runs because winners do the extra work. And so you find out too, okay, who, who doesn't want to run or am I going to be the loser? Because more more people, you know, you, know, you want to be the winner. You don't want to be the loser. And so mm-hmm. who cares if I have to run a little bit as long as my team wins? And so, uh, and, and that's something, you know, and then kids will try to, you know, well, I'm going to run anyway. No, no, you're, you guys lost. You, you lost the privilege to run. Mm-hmm. Winners get to do the extra work and everything. And so those two of those things, uh, we tried doing a little bit more last year at times. They bought into the winners, uh, the, the winners run. Uh, they like it. Um, I think actually the, the football coach was standing there and he heard me talk about it one time. And so I, they're going to do that in their practices now um, where they, you know, the winners are the, those are the ones that do the extra work. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that's just kind of how we set it up. So then whatever, like I said, whatever the, the concentration of that segment is, it ends in that. Mm-hmm. So even like uh, when we're working on our fast break, um, like our fast break present uh, progression would be, uh, we call it um, the break breakdown. We have we, we get the ball, uh, rack the balls out, and we line up all the point guards are in one line, all the wings are in a line right next to them, and then post player will have a ball. Mm-hmm. Post player throws it off the glass, throw it to the wing, or excuse me, throw it to the point guard, wings out running, throw it ahead, lay it in. Okay, and so that's our first look. 
and then we'll add um, they will add the post player to run. So they'll throw it or grab the rebound, throw it. They sprint down the floor. We have a, a coach there with a pad. They're posting up. We throw it to the post player. They score. And then we'll add the trail post in there. And so we, we break it down on which ones we want. And then we'll go five on O up and down the court. So even in a five on O with our break, our, our competition might be to go up, down and back in 10 seconds. Or I guess for the big, if we're in the mini dome with, with the, you know, the 90 foot court, mm-hmm. 94 foot court, we'll go 11 seconds. If we're upstairs in the practice gyms and the shorter courts, we'll put it down to 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so even then we can build up that they have to play fast. And there was a time last year they were, they were getting mad because they couldn't, they were just rushing their shots. And they, they saw it because it's like, we're clearly getting our time done, mm-hmm. but we're just rushing. It's like, yeah, you have time to do this, you know? We, and so we talk about, okay, um, you know, typically one second on the clock is going to equal one dribble. So that's what you guys got to think about. How many dribbles can I take in this situation of, and how do we move the ball faster than dribbling? We can pass it. And so once we started going, and, and they were getting mad, like, they'd miss it. Put it back on the clock. We're going to get this done. And so that competitiveness, it builds that way. And so I like continuing the, the competitive building because that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, you can, you can go out your driveway and shoot and have a ball, but when you have to do it, pressure situations we got to be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations yep did did you uh did you find yourself having to talk more in practice than what you wanted to just because you had to introduce and uh explain your philosophy and why we're doing this and why we're not doing that uh did you did you find yourself talking probably more than what you wanted to uh a lot more than i wanted to and i and your, one of your very first questions about starting up a new program, this is kind of the same deal was, you know, the terminology is all, is, is the same for me. And so you've got to get kids to ask this question if they don't understand it, you know, much like you're in the classroom. If, mm-hmm. I, if you don't ask the question, I'm going to think you're getting it until it's test time. And so we'd be sitting there and um, we did have, um, you know, we, I returned a couple of the sitting coaches that were familiar with the girls and everything. And so they, they would come in and they said, Hey, you know, I'm reading their Bible. They don't know what you're talking about right now. The girls, you know, no, we don't. Okay. We'll say something. You know? yeah. So thankfully, you know, the, the coaches could get a read on their body language and say, Hey, these guys don't, you know, they don't understand. Okay. So we need, we need to slow it down. And, and part of that is, is coach Flynn and the rest of the community have done such a great job with the youth program. They all run the same stuff from third grade on. And so terminology has been different. Uh, Velocity is a little bit different uh, as far as, um, you know, they, they've been so, you know, one, two, two heavy in the past, but they're saying that, um, you know, we were more man to man based at times this year. And so some of that stuff, you know, forcing this way, force just the, that terminology was always probably what, what held us up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I was saying anything that they hadn't heard already. It was just different words. And mm-hmm. so there was times when, you know, I would think I would explain a drill and it would look not like it should. Like, yeah. And then they'd step in. Oh, I think it was supposed to be, this is what we used to call it. Oh, that's what we call it. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. And so it was having to merge versions of things, but yet at the same time, like, I don't, you know, I want it established, but it's like, I don't want to give up what we're trying to do just to make it easier for them. And so we had this, you know, I don't want to say battles, but you had that, that conflict of, um, you know, like I call one drill blitz, they call it 11 man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, Things like that. So, like, one thing we talked about doing differently for next year is 
instead of um, instead of just the coaches having the practice plan, I think we're going to get like a whiteboard out at practice. And so when we're doing a drill, we're going to write it down on the whiteboard so they can see what drill it is. So mm-hmm. they know. So then down the road, we can say, okay, we're in. We're in blitz. This is what we're in. We're in break breakdown. This is what we need to be getting into. Yeah, gotcha. Um, what do you do with your scouting? You know, uh, how do you break? What are you looking for as you're sizing up your opponents? That type of a thing. Uh, this year is a little bit different, just because we were focusing so much on ourselves. Um, then we're in. We, we just couldn't concentrate as much on the opponent because we we're always worried about what we were trying to do that game as well. And mm-hmm. so um, one of the things we noticed when we, when we switched down at Elkhorn South from uh, the EMC into especially full-time Metro, we played you know eight Class A teams or whatever it was a couple of years, and then we went full Metro. But when we went full Metro, our problem was we had 22 new opponents to, to worry about. Sure. Where, they just had, where our opponent only had one. Yeah. And so, okay, I, I did that for two years. I finally got, and I got rid of, you know, we didn't play any Class B teams until postseason. Mm-hmm. Well, then now, I move up here, and every opponent is new for me again. Yeah. And so, it was like, you know, they're, again, they're scouting up here, and there is some very good talent that we played this year. I think we played, like three or four state champions between or between uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Iowa that we had on our they were in the state championship games and we, I mean it was just really good count. And so for them, they could do what they want always had done, and they just had to worry one about us one time. Yeah. Whereas we, you know, every game was and we had some quick turnarounds. We had a lot of Saturday Mondays. The the, the Siouxland area up here likes to play their girls games on Mondays and boys on Tuesdays and everybody on either Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, we play Nebraska teams on a Saturday and then turn around and play a Siouxland team up here on a Monday. You know, we don't, we, we got to worry about us getting ready for it and everything. So, yeah. um, that'll, that'll help this year where we have, where the familiarity will be there and everything. Um, what I typically do though, would be, um, go through, we're watching, you know, get their starters, figure out what they like to do. So again, even though, we know that, um, you know, we know that Riley Gray is left-handed, okay. But you don't, you, you want to know if she's left-handed, so we know which direction to expect her to go. But yet, it still doesn't change what we're going to try to force, mm-hmm. okay. If she's on the perimeter, obviously. So you know, we're focusing on that individual as well. So they, you know, if we get a scouting report; it'll be the first page will be uh, individual tendencies. Um, you know, with max preps and everything, you can uh, even huddle assist now. You can get pretty detailed on who, you know, who shoots, who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, figure out what you want to do uh, that way and everything. And so uh, we're looking at that. We'll try to get some some shooting percentages if we can out there and just you know, okay, this girl's a volume shooter. This girl, you know, she's she shot one time from beyond the arc. We don't need to you know really challenge her out of the arc. Yeah, um, things like that. Um, and so and the that allows us to um, change our defenses in there. So we have their basic defensive philosophy and everything, but then we can also, um, and that's where we need to get to this next year. This, this will be our, uh, the key for us this year is getting comfortable in our base defense. So then we can manipulate and play off of people. Um, you know, we, we can always find somebody, or we hope to find somebody that maybe we can play off of on the prayer, and that provides the help out there and everything like that. So we look at 
individual stuff first, what they like to do, and then um, then we'll go into their offense, defense, and you know any specials, what do they like to run out of timeouts, quarter breaks, things like that, and their baseline out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, last thing, uh, communicating with your with your with your parents. And that can always be kind of a dicey issue at times. Um, what are, you know, and, and I like to have, because I think this is one of the biggest challenges that we as high school coaches face is, is having a consistent message that goes from you to the player, to the parents, and, and then coming back the other direction. Um, what are some things that you, you've done that, have, that, is, that has helped with that process? Um, I would say, this is probably one of the things like, you know, you sit there and you watch, uh, you know, Terry coach two sports on Oakland, he was softball and basketball. And you just try to, you learn from, you know, and I had coached all down there for baseball and how he handles things and everything. And, and those two are so different in head coaches because, you know, coach Dahl is 32. Terry's retired as of yesterday. And so older coaches, I, you know, they're more set in their ways as far as, and they, and they have, they've earned the fact that, you know, people don't mess with them as much. Mm-hmm. And at the same time for me, it's not that they come in and try to get their way with anything, but uh, I just think today, you know, the communication. And so I, I'm okay with having a conversation with the parent if that clears up what the message is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do know that, you know, it's hard for a kid to go home and say, well, I'm just, I'm just not that good dad, you know, <laughs> and so they're going to tell them, well, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do at practice. I just don't know why they're playing me. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I don't like to have those conversations, but at the same time, I do think they're, um, I do think they're important because it, it does clear up stuff and it's, you know, you can, you can get that message home and everything. Um, one thing I actually thought about doing it, and this would be great uh, with your experience, what, what your thoughts on it, but you know, typically what we'll do is, um, you'll have a, a week of practice, and then, like, say on that Saturday, the first Saturday, we kind of talk to the girls. If, if we know uh, at the time, okay, you're going to be on varsity, JV, you know, whatever. Here's where, here's the role I see. You in. I have actually thought about inviting the parents in for those meetings, so uh-huh. there is no miscommunication. Yeah. So I can say, you know, you're going to be a you know, right now you're the sixth person off the bench, and here's why. Uh-huh. Okay, and if mom and dad are in there, they have no nothing to come back and say. Well, she said that you told her she was going to start. No, I here's what I and so I've actually thought about doing that, mm-hmm. um, but I don't, I don't want to open that door and say, okay, now it's just open. So it's I don't. What, what would be your thoughts on that? I mean, what, how do you handle that? I guess so. That's why I like doing these five minutes and you know, listen to these stuff because you learn from other coaches and everything. So I, now I'm turning around. I'm asking you what. <laughs> oh, no, no. I get to answer questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see how it is, Selk. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Um, here's here's my thought. Um, what I would do is, and, and I, I'll tell you what I've done and then what I've learned and what I'm going to do differently, okay? Um, every year I would sit down with every kid in the program, top to bottom, your best senior, your worst freshman. And before the season would start, I, I would have a 10-minute a, a meeting uh, before school, after school, during their free period, maybe if your lunch lines up with their lunch, whatever it may be. And just, you know, 
talk about their role, their their spot, where I see them at at this point. Okay, that can change. It's up to you to change it. Uh, but this is where I see you at. Okay. Here's here's what I would do, or here's what I'm going to do, and I, I forget where I got this from. But in that meeting, when you're done with everything, have the player repeat back to you what you've talked about. Okay, so what have we talked about here today? So that you, uh, so that you understand what I'm saying before you leave here. Okay, um, and and so if they say, well, you said I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be JV starter. Well, okay, no, I think you have a chance to start on JV. Uh, we see you, you know, where do you, you know, where do I see you at? What position do I see you playing at? You know, um, you know, and, and so that forces them to repeat back to you uh, so that they can't say, well, that's not what we talked about or I didn't understand it that way. No, we're going to wrap up this conversation with you repeating back to me what uh what we talked about um i i i took uh copious notes about things that we talked about you know based on the questions and where the conversation went um so that you know if something would come out of it um i would i would say um you know well no here's the notes here's what you said about this here's what i said in response to this i've got this written down right here you know, type of a thing. And I, and I think, you know, you go through the same thing that all coaches go through, um, where you, you know, it, we're not going to talk about playing time. Um, that's our decision. That's based on what happens in practice, that type of a thing. Um, you're, you're not going to make everybody happy. That's not your job is to make everybody happy. Your job is to, when it gets to Friday night at the varsity level, it's your job to do the best that you can to try and get the team to win the game. Now you try to do things within that concept of, yeah, I, I would like to play as many kids as possible, but, you know, and, and we're going to look for every opportunity to get kids playing time. And I think you, you, you try to explain those things before you start the season as best that you can uh, so that, you know, that understanding is out there. And most of the people, and, and this is kind of the tough thing, I believe, uh, 90% of 90 to 95% of parents are really good parents that understand where the coach is coming from and they know that you have a tough job. It's just like the it's just like anything else the the squeaky wheel gets the oil and it's just like being in the classroom. You spend 95% of your discipline 95% of your discipline issues usually come from the same 5% of your students. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing there. So uh, those are just some tactics that that I've thought about and considered. You know, having those meetings, talking with every kid, in, and if you if you don't talk to every kid in your program, if you choose not to do that, that's fine. But I think it's really important that if you're going to talk to one kid and you're going to have a formal meeting with just even one kid, you have a formal meeting with every kid within the program. Uh, um, I've, I've I know of situations where, well, the, the coach is going to talk to what they perceive to be their top eight kids or their top 10 kids. Well, how does that, 
you know, what does that do to the other 20 or 30 kids or however many kids you have within your program? You know, and so I think that's just a, that can get you into trouble as much or more so than anything else where you, okay, well, you've decided who your top eight are going to be, then why am I even bothering to play? And then you start losing kids because of that or, you know, things like that. So, um, I, I, you know, those are, those are, those are things that I've learned over the years, usually from, you know, screwing up, (laughs) you know, um, uh, and, and then, you know, as far as the meeting stuff, then after the season, um, we sit down and we talk with every kid and okay, well, here's kind of, and I've always thought of high school basketball as kind of two seasons, your, your summer season and your winter season. Okay. So you go through, uh, you, you have a sophomore that's going to be a junior. Well, you have the meeting with them and let's say they're a JV kid as a sophomore and you go through the season, you have that meeting. Okay, now you're having a different meeting in the spring because now they're, in theory, moving in as a junior. Well, how does my role change based on what's happened this season, based on what we need from you this summer? Okay, well, here's where we see you at coming into the summer. Um, here's where we're going to kind of put the majority of your playing time at. Here's what we – here's the things that, you know, here's the things that you're really good at. Here's the one thing you do really need to improve upon in order to get yourself up to the next level. Uh, those type of conversations that you have with the kids and it's, it's time consuming. It's, um, you know, it can be a little, it can be very tedious, but I think it's better. And if you have to have a tough conversation with a kid, I I would rather have a, a, a five or 10 minute tough conversation than deal with three or four months of a tough situation. Um, and so that's, I don't know. That's that's what I think is. I, I don't know. Does that does that help you? Yeah, it does. It, it, a lot of that is based on I had a terrible experience um, as a as a player in college um, down at my JUCO, and it was the coach was. Uh, he, I, I'm a big big belief, and I, as many people are, in honesty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he he wasn't. You know, he was. Ah, oh, we, we know what goes on, and. Uh, it just and so I always look back like I don't want to be that coach to some kids and not let them know mm-hmm. where they're at. Um, like you said, you know, have those tough conversations, but yet yeah, it's, you got to do it. Unfortunately, and, and I, I remember Coach Sharp always talking about this too. You know, I think sometimes parents think like coaches enjoy cutting players. And no, it's the worst. It's, it's the, the worst. worst day. It is the worst day. I, it, it's you feel horrible, even no matter how bad one is you know they've done you know they may have done everything you asked them to do but they're just not good enough to play for you yeah and yet you still have to you know make that tough call and everything and so you know i've always said you know we've got to be honest to kids if they're you know tell them what what they're doing everything like that and it's just you know getting that message home to parents of okay we've talked to your kid this is not you know what you're seeing is different um oh. talk to your kid uh, but then, if, you know, if it does come down to it, yeah, we we'll, we'll talk and, and everything. Cause it is, you know, if you get a, you can have parents destroy your team just by up in the stands of, you know, how they're acting and stuff like that, or spread, you know, not spreading rumors, but just you know, not being on board with it. You want you want those kids, you want those parents to cheer for everybody else's kid just like it's their own. And, and when you can do that, um, you know, it's it makes it better for your team and everything. So yeah. I always, I always remember um, Brian Kelly down at uh, 
Nebraska Wesleyan when I was down there. He was teaching, coaching fundamentals, whatever. And he talked, you know, for basketball, it's, the, it's four plus one. Baseball, it's eight plus one. But he's like, remember, parents, when they come in and talk to you, it's going to be, you know, they want their kid to play with them, you know, for basketball, be the four best players. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I've had, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you, that's how you see it. Is your, your daughter should be in this. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if you should be that way, though. So, yeah. But, well, I, I learned an important lesson. Uh, early on in my head coaching career, and and my dad gave me some real clarity on this. Uh, he's you know, and it was a frustrating situation, and and he said, you know, Marty, every parent is going to love their kid a little bit more than they love everybody else's kid, you know, and and there's a lot of truth to that, and and you go through it, and, and I've gone through it. Um, especially with with one of our kids um who was a little bit more athletic my you know participate in athletics more than our other two children did and and you you do have that and 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 i'd like to think i have a pretty good head for it you know and and okay this is what i this is what i see and i see it through the lens of a coach as well as a parent and that type of thing um but it's it's hard not to uh, to think that way because you, you do love your child. You do want them to be happy. You do want them to be successful, but ultimately you have to turn it over to them. And I think, um, a lot of parents, uh, I don't want to say a lot. There is a percentage of parents that have, because of their financial investment, because of the, uh, the time investment that they've made in their child's, uh, career or their their choice of sport or sports that they they believe that there should be some sort of return on investment whether it's consciously or subconsciously you know how well you know we played on all these club teams and we did this and and we went to all these tournaments and all these other things well yeah but so did a lot of other kids and and x amount of kids are just more athletic and more gifted than you it has nothing to do with your child's uh ability to be a great teammate it has nothing to do with your child's physical capabilities or mental capabilities uh they've tried to uh hone those uh abilities to the best of their ability uh but so are a bunch of other people and and they're just better at it and Therefore, I have to play my top, you know, in basketball, my top seven, eight, nine kids. In baseball, your top 11, 12 kids consistently. And, you know, that's that's hard because you don't you don't want your child to hurt. You don't want them to, to struggle. Uh, but learning how to cope with those situations is perhaps the the best lesson we can teach in athletics. Because, as you and I well know, very few people have the storybook ending. That's why it's called a storybook ending, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we lose track of the greatest lessons that you can learn that set you up for the rest of your life are through failure and are through, um, tough times and learning how to cope through tough times, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. You're talking about, I can think back to our, uh, our state championship team that we had down at Elkhorn South. We had, uh, two girls on our team. One was a senior, one was a junior, and the junior was in the same boat as the senior the next year. But uh, Ashton was such a tremendous teammate and person. Mm-hmm. And 
but she never played unless you know she joked around she goes you know i'm 18 and 0 when, when i play and we're two, <laughs> we're two and five when i don't so what's that tell you guys you know but she knew she only played when we were up big or we you know? yeah and so um you know but she showed up to practice every day did everything required and so did the other one and yeah. it made it easier to keep them on the team because uh-huh. you know it was hard because it's like you know they're never going to play a meaningful minute for us yeah. that year and yet they did anything and everything we asked them to do we never heard anything from their parents we, it, and it was just I, I think that's part of the reason why teams like that win is because yes. everybody's in that she she could have pouted and everything but um and, it, and especially for her because she was an all-state softball player and so she she's one of the best in her sport. Now this is a different sport for her. And sometimes you get kids who shy away from a sport because, well, I'm not, the, I'm not the best in this sport either, but not her. She just went out there and had a blast with her friends. And, um, you know, I, but you're talking about some of these, these kids and how they, when you get that buy-in from, from everybody on the team, I mean, she, we talked to her, her meeting before the season was, we need you to, get these freshmen and sophomores who are 14 or, you know, 10 through 14 on our roster. We need you to get them ready for next year. And we need you to get them ready to challenge our varsity in practice. And she was, that was her role. And yeah. she, it was amazing for her. And I think that's why she's, she's had a successful college softball career. She's going to be very successful as a nurse. And it's because, you know, she learned from, you know, yeah, it, it was a failure because she didn't play, but yet, she was fantastic as a teammate and everything like that. And that's, that's what I love about sports. There's so many roles for people um, to learn from. And, and if you can be a star in your role, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be successful. Yeah. I, I think the, the, you know, when we would talk about roles and, and when I, you know, when I talk about it with my new team, you know, there's, there's four steps to it. Know, accept, embrace, and excel at your role. You know, well, you're going to know your role because we're going to tell you as a coaching staff, here is your role. Okay. Well, now it's up to you to accept it. Okay. I've been asked to do this. Okay. Then you have to embrace it. You know, I'm going to be the best blank that the coaching staff has asked me to be. And then you have to go out and excel at it. And, and so the, I think that's the four steps in, in role uh, when you're building your roles up with your team and, um, you know, you communicate that and, and we would actually, uh, you know, once or twice during the season, we would have what we called roll call, you know, and we would sit in the locker room and, and it was, you know, for, for 10 or 15 minutes, we would just say, okay, uh, Susie, here's your, here's your role. This is what we need from you. And we would talk to Susie for 20 to 30 seconds in front of the whole team. And then at the end of it, you say, Hey, okay, Susie, are, are you are you ready to 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 accept, embrace, and excel at that role? And you know they always said yes because they were never going to say no. This, but but you put it out there, and there was no miscommunication with with anybody. Um, and that seemed to help with that communication aspect as well. That this is not some secret between you know Coach Plum and uh, Coach Ritz and Susie Smith. This is okay. This is being talked about in front of everybody. And well, no, coach, you know, I don't know what coach wants me to do. Well, the whole team could sit there and go, no, Susie, coach told you that we need you to be a great screener. And that's your role. That's what you're good at. We don't need you to shoot, you know, so quit complaining that you're not getting any, you know, that we're not running any plays for you. 
or something like that. You know, um, that helped. I got that from, I think Doc Rivers uh, was where I got that from. Um, so, um, and, and you do it a couple of times during the year, depending on how things are going, just, just to, again, just to clarify that. And so that there's no miscommunication and you, you know, uh, that seemed to help as well. So, ah, that's the most I've talked on this in a while. So, um, coach, any social media that you'd like to plug? Oh, I mean, we always have our, uh, I, I can't remember, but I guess SSC Lady Cards or something like that in our basketball account out there. And that one would be our official account. And then uh, if you want some takes about either, right now it's Mario Kart that I've been tweeting about. Me and my son have been playing a lot of Mario Kart lately and, and everything. So uh, that's on my personal account of Steven Selk. But uh, other than that, not too much out there for us. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to tag that along here. So. <laughs> Uh, especially the Mario Kart, more important than ever. So yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, we've had some debates about who to, you know who to, who to bring up as the racer and everything. So Toad's my man, by the way. <laughs> we, uh, we we run a good we got a good relationship going right now out there. So very good, very good. Well, Coach, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate. it. I hope you had a good time on the pod. I did. Thank you so much uh, for having me out here. It's, um, I love talking basketball and everything like that. So yeah, thank you very much. All right. Well, um, just hold the line here just a quick second. Um, uh, again, we want to thank COSAC uh, Chiropractic for sponsoring the pod. Uh, if you're in need of chiropractic services here in Omaha, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, if you're listening, like I said, you're on iTunes or SoundClouds, SoundCloud or iTunes, excuse me. Uh, uh, download, rate, review, push it out to folks. And again, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, this has been Steve Selk, uh, the head girls basketball coach at South Sioux City High School. Been a great conversation this morning. Coaches, stay safe. And as always, continue to hone your craft one day at a time.